tell me, uh, because I've never officially met you, is it Jean Marco or John Marco? Like, I want to yeah, pronounce your name properly. I appreciate it. Uh, John Marco Sorezi is great. Okay. Um, but but great. All right, we're recording here. Uh, say one more thing, Ted. Hello, check, check. I am back. Perfect. I am in my proper uh, environment, feeling safe. Okay, good, good. I'm glad you feel safe in this tumultuous time. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, uh, welcome to The Downside. Hi. Hi, my name is Joe Marco Sorezi. I'm here with my co-host. Russell. Russell. Daniels. Daniels, oh my God! Wow. And we are uh, scoot in a little bit, buddy. Oh um, we we're here. We're here with legendary uh, uh, stand-up comedian, actor, performer, podcaster, everything. Ted Alexandro, and let's hit this music. You're listening to the downside. The downside with John Marco Cerezi. All right, uh, uh, well, Ted. Thank you. You're here from Connecticut, yes? That's true. I'm I'm still getting used to saying that, but uh, yeah, and and I think that fits right in with the, the whole negative vibe of the oh, podcast. I, I we left can, New York. For we can shit all over Connecticut. Um, but we'll <laughs> we'll get back to you in a second. I I'm I'm feeling very stressed right now. I'm doing a lot of traveling. This is my first time stand up comedian, like touring a little bit, but also okay. I'm doing a lot of like my friends getting married in Hawaii. I have an mm. old middle school friend. The, everyone is at a different economic level than me at this whole wedding. He he went to Stanford, yeah. soccer scholarship, Stanford business. Uh, he's he wow. works for DoorDash right now, and yeah. uh, not as like a like no he, not he, not he, not delivering the food as a programmer or yeah. something yeah, as yeah, a programmer yeah. like the guy the guy who's making sure you know they don't unionize that kind of job. <laughs> good, 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 good. Right. A lot of Important, money great. to be made there, and sure. um, it's it's just one of these trips where I'm like. I, I want him to know, like, just so you know, me coming to this, that's my one thing for the year. I, and I'm doing it for you. And I'm trying to get gigs while I'm there. I'm trying to extend the trip, get okay. gigs in Hawaii. But then you book a gig and you're like, oh, there's different islands in Hawaii. And yeah. so is this gig in Honolulu? And I'm asking me and my my girlfriend, Tova Silberman, to, to add an extra flight. It's just very, very tough and i'm not famous enough to call up a venue and say hey lucky you jamarco sarezi's <laughs> flying to honolulu today let's set up a one-nighter and so so then it's like then you're then am i booking a bar show for 10 minutes yeah and we're adding a 500 new flights to make that happen and should i just relax and not do stand-up for four days no that's not the answer uh so it's i'm a stressed. lot yeah am i allowed to interject no please like Okay, Ted, you please. know you know my struggle more more than traveling weddings. Where's the furthest you've ever gone for a wedding? I know it all too well. Uh, the furthest I've gone for a wedding, um, I don't think I've gone out of the states. You know, probably just the West Coast, and mm. even that was asking a bit too much. I think uh, <laughs> what you're what you're saying as far as this being the favor for the year. I would extrapolate that to five years or even a decade because in these times. <laughs> The audacity of anyone to invite you to leave like a five mile radius of your home is audacious and bordering on obnoxious. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's good to to try to find work to offset that, not just offset it, offset it emotionally. So you're yes. back in a comfortable yeah. space for you. Well, it's also here's he's also asked. He's not sure yet. He's like, we think we may want you to perform. Oh, God. And then it's like, we think we may want you to perform at the dinner. 
We're still figuring it out. And of course, I would never oh. tell my friend, you know, give me, I'd love to be paid. My wedding fee is quite high because it's one of those gigs yeah. you don't want to do. You don't want to do it. But I, there's so much money. I would love if a room was offered. I, I've already thought of a couple lines. I was going to open with something about DoorDash, so I'll be working for tips, something like that. I really want to stick it to yeah, DoorDash. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. But sure. also, he said, he said, just so you know, her family is uh, Catholic. Um, uh, he's Asian. His wife's Asian. The whole family will be Asian. So, the, you know, there's a lot of, like, I'll have, like, jokes where I'll be like, yeah, or I don't want to ruin the wedding. The wedding is not the time for me to prove that I'm the next George Carlin. No, I have, I, you know, I, I hate to be the one to, to bring this up, but you might not be right for the gig. Yeah. You might not be yeah. right for the gig. Yeah. You know, like for a wedding, it's such a specific environment already. Uh, and then added on top of that, you know them, mm. uh, you know, and then if it's an all Asian wedding, I mean, God forbid, you're just trying to make something funny. If you fuck up at a club <laughs> and offend somebody, that's one thing. But if you fuck up at a wedding and you're yeah. hanging out, you know, in Hawaii for the rest of the week after yeah. you yeah. said something, you know, yeah. Uh, and I've done, I've done wedding, I've done families weddings. It's, it's always a chore, you know, it's never just a gig. It's like yeah. trying not to step on a landmine, you know? Well, so it's also, tough. Yeah. It's also like, okay, so you and your girlfriend, you know, you're going to pay probably thousand or so dollars in plane tickets. Yeah. Then a hotel. And then on top of that, put together half an hour of content you know like it's it's another thing where it's like that's a it, that's a big i mean it almost balances out if it's like we'll pay for something yeah one of the components you know maybe that's worth it but maybe. i don't know but there is also there's also a thing where it's like you know people are like oh a comedian you'll do a speech but i'm like it's writing new material it's is, it's, it's is like much work. harder than people realize and sure if i'm gonna speak well, at a, a wedding i better be the funniest at the wedding well, yeah, no, a speech, though, has a different level of expectation than will you do a set for us, you know? Yeah. And I always feel like it's good as a comedian to unplug from things. If you've already said yes to the wedding, you and your girlfriend are going. Uh, did you say girlfriend, wife? I don't mean. No, to oh, me. no, girlfriend. 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 Okay. Forgive oh, me. Oh, God. Edit, edit that out. Oh, if it's Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> oh. So you and your girlfriend are going. <laughs> This might be a good opportunity to detach, unplug yeah. from John Marco comedian and just be a human being going to Hawaii. Oh, wouldn't I mean, that be a treat? Or a, a, just you, Ted, you know how tough that is, uh, you know, as, as a, a, a young as a stand-up comic. Try to be a human being for, for four days. I, well, I just oh, took this a long time, whole man. year off for COVID, and so it feels I feel like no more breaks for another 10 years. That's Next fair. pandemic, we'll go yeah. to Hawaii yeah, yeah, yeah. In, the, in the height of it when the flights are cheap. Yeah. Well, maybe a speech then. I, I, you know, as your uh, consultant, uh, I think a speech would be adequate unless they're throwing big money at you or, or they cover the room or some, you know, some sort of thing that makes it worth your while. Because for me, I would have just all this anxiety. Uh, it colors the whole trip. If you know, I have to do a half hour in front of the whole, both <laughs> yeah. families. A new you know, then hour. you can't enjoy. It's like you sabotage a trip to Hawaii. Uh, where you're going to be thinking about that and it, you sabotage your time with your girlfriend because it's like for me anyway I would be just consumed with now this is not a trip to my friend's wedding to Hawaii to paradise this is a gig that I have to figure out a, a tough gig <laughs> a non-paying yeah gig in fucking Hawaii when you do you've done weddings and like do, do you have those gigs where you're like oh do I want to push do I want to say 
my Catholic church joke at this one. There's a lot of Catholics oh, there. Yeah. Am I going to do it? Don't do it. Yeah. Oh, I want to yeah. do it. I, I have a lot of <laughs> Catholic church it. jokes. We all do. Yeah, no, I, I've, I've been in that position. And, you know, I, you know how it is where you kind of dip a toe and you say like, well, this one's kind of tepid. I'll see how it goes. And then if, if it looks like the room's digging it, then I'll, then I'll bring out the yeah. big guns. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's the kind of thing that you never know until you, you test that first one. Now you had a, you your wedding was not too long ago, right? Yeah, it'll be three years in October. Oh, congratulations! Yeah. Did you have were, did comedians speak? Did you have any comedians like do a really killer set? I did not. Although I, I bet some of them were were itching to, but uh, and I had some 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 big names. Not to drop. I mean, I had the Todd Barrys, the Judy Golds oh. of the world. Um, yeah, so it was. I mean, I had plenty of great comedians. I'm not just. I don't mean to leave anyone else out, but. Uh, I had my my two brothers uh, were my co best men, and they're mm. both very funny. So they both, I mean, comedians were coming up to me and and commenting on how funny both of my brothers were. Uh, That's fun. My, That's fun. My yeah, and then my <laughs> wife's sister spoke. So um, there was plenty of humor, but it was not provided by professionals. Good, good, good. I did yeah. your vows. Did you have a little joke? Did you get any laughs in your vows, or were you like no? This is none of that. You know, shit. I I'm kind of a sappy guy, so like yeah. for the vows, I mean, I had one or two like little nuggets just you know to remind people that I'm a comedian, but <laughs> but for the most part, like I was pretty sappy and pretty like you know telling our story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she was funnier than I was, you know. She yeah, she my wife is funny, so um yeah. But I I don't know. I always feel like I have plenty of opportunities to to be funny so uh this is my vows is an opportunity to show other colors maybe there's some casting people out there mm -hmm. and i'll, I'll say oh, oh you can do drama too <laughs> all right law and order maybe okay yeah. exactly <laughs> um so so you you relocated to connecticut pretty recently yeah yeah pandemic move uh november of last year so uh, you know as i said as i told you before this this is a a, a negative podcast and uh any downsides to being in connecticut well all the ones that you would think just that like leaving new york i i'm a born and raised queens kid i had been in astoria mm -hmm. for the past 20 years um so i had this aversion my you know my brother and his family live in connecticut but i that's what i thought of it as it's like a family place and if you're in the arts, it's where you go to die. It's like, it's, it's over. You're yeah. just like, you're a family man now. Uh, so I had a real aversion and we were mostly looking like upstate New York because that's where all the artists go and, you know, beacon and where everyone, you know, where you can't afford anything. Uh, so then finally we switched, you know, we've been looking since before the pandemic, by the way, but the pandemic kind of just uh, gave us a, a little bit more motivation. So then we started looking like, we're like, why don't we take a look? I mean, it's still, you know, less than two hours from the city. So we looked and we found a really nice place and kind of like, it's like the woods really like we're kind of out there. Um, but yeah, it's, I do feel in a, in a mental sense, like almost like I'm out of show business. Like I'm, even though I'm, you know, I'm getting back to stand up and I'm doing my, my own podcast and everything. There is this thing of like, now I'm like pretending to be in show business. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm a Connecticut guy. So do like you, who's, do you come in for shows like like or at all yeah not yet not yet uh, yeah yeah I, honestly like my first 
gig that's on the books is August 6th and 7th. I'm going to Vegas. I, I work with Jim Gaffigan. I've oh, been nice. opening for him for, you know, six years now. Uh, so that's the first gig that I have on the books, like proper gig. But my plan is to, and this kind of excites me. Uh, you, you guys can probably relate. Just to find some divey open mic in Connecticut, oh, like yeah. doesn't even have to be comedy. Could be like poetry and a folk song. And, and I'm just going to sign my name to the list and I'm going to do 10, 15 minutes to get ready for, for Vegas. I'm going to try to find a few of those, just like the shittiest things yeah. I can find to feel like I'm starting again. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fun. That's so stressful to me. That sounds for you go from, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm scared about my stand up New York gig. I mean, you're going to a fucking a huge gig. <laughs> have, have you performed since uh, COVID yet on stage? No, not, oh, not other, other than Zoom. No, I have not. But I've done all those things, man. Like I was talking to my friend, my comedian friend recently about how all of those like prestige things, whether it's, you know, getting past at the cellar or, you know, whatever room. I mean, I was in the cellar. I was out of the cellar. Uh, I was blacklisted. Oh. I was back. When were you uh, blacklisted? Uh, well, I organized the comedians for a pay raise in oh. the early 2000s. And when I did that, uh, I was blacklisted by, I mean, they didn't come out and say it, but suddenly my spots dried up at the cellar at uh, Caroline's because I had a fight with Louis Veranda uh because there was a, supposed to be like a meeting almost like a godfather like meeting of the five families where all of the club owners and managers were supposed to meet at the friars club and they all rsvp'd everybody said we'll be there so there was like maybe a group of gosh it was probably close to 30 40 comedians that showed up and we had a, a lawyer from aftra who was kind of uh acting on our behalf and then uh everyone showed up except for Caroline's nobody they didn't have anybody at the uh -huh. meeting after saying they would so I called up Louis Veranda and I gave him a piece of my mind first I spoke to his assistant uh and I said you know this is really disrespectful uh, a lot of work went into organizing this everyone else showed up there's dozens of comedians uh who are negotiating for uh, a standard of living that you know that they can get by in New York and you not only you, you said you would show up, you did not show up and there was no explanation. So then he took real offense uh, to that. Actually, I left it as a voicemail first because his, his assistant wouldn't wouldn't put me through. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, cool all right, well, give, me his, give me his give me his voicemail. Yeah. So I unloaded on him and then he called back and he's like, uh, Lewis is really uh, Lewis is really upset about. The voice. I'm like, good. Put him on the phone. I want to talk to him. That's why I called. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, so, yeah, so <laughs> needless to say, uh, that's the last time I worked Caroline's, uh, except for the time uh, that during during the um, what, what is it called? The New York Comedy Festival. I guess Carol Caroline's is kind of behind that. Um, Louis, back in the day, uh, I was opening for Louis in like 2008 or nine. Louis insisted that I open for him. And Louis was, uh, I guess, pushed back because Louis called me and said, do you have some kind of thing with uh, Louis Veranda? I was like, I was like, yeah, sort of. Why? He's like, because he said uh, you couldn't open, and I was like, fuck you, Ted's opening for me. So uh, yeah, so that that was. I have this kind of long history with uh, with Caroline's, where I still haven't, I still haven't, haven't performed been... there. Oh wow! And did you get that pay raise? Done? Yeah, on two occasions. On two occasions. Uh, the first time I did it by myself i wrote a petition in like i guess it was 2001 or so got that signed by about 100 comedians got a like a 10 dollar pay raise 
Uh, the second time, Russ Maneev called me like maybe 2007, 2008 and said, do you want to revisit this? And honestly, I said, I said no. Uh, I said I had too much shit the first time and it was so much work. It, you know, it was really like a full time job because I this was really also pre like social media. So uh -huh. I physically was meeting people like I'm going to be at a Starbucks between eight and ten. I'm going to be at Ben's Pizza on the corner of this because I couldn't be at the club, you know, yeah, like, yeah, hey, yeah. guys want to sign the petition so i i would i would park myself like nearby to a club for a couple hours and just wait and you know typically a bunch of comedians would come by together and they'd be like yeah you know like i think tracy morgan just happened to be walking by with like sarah silverman and five other people they they all signed it um so i wound up getting 100 signatures and, and the pay raised that first time so so russ asked me a second time and i was kind of reluctant to do it yeah. uh but then he he was so passionate and i i I got the sense like, okay, he, he's for real. This is, he's not fucking around either. So then we did it and we formed the New York Comedians Coalition that year. Uh, Tom Shalhoub also helped and Buddy Bolton, a few, uh, there were about four or five of us doing the majority of the organizing. Uh, and that was when After got involved too. So that kind of gave us a, a stamp of legitimacy. And uh, we, we got the pay raised on a second occasion there. So yeah, I mean, to me that, you know, it was, we were having these meetings at AFTRA and at the Writers Guild, two, 300 comedians coming down. It was, I mean, part of me wishes that we had those recorded because it was so yeah, funny well, and chaotic. I read uh, I'm Dying Up Here, which was about the the, the strikes in L.A. with the in store. LA. And you yeah. know, the, the guy who organized that, I'm pretty sure he, he was the one who killed himself shortly after, right? Because Mitzi had blacklisted him from the store. Yes, yes. But you, it's funny you bring that up because Tom Dreesen, who was also involved in that, uh, came and spoke to us. He came to, you know, because somebody hooked me up with his info. So I felt like, you know, this will be a good guy to speak to about negotiating with clubs and his experiences. So he came to after one afternoon and addressed the, you know, however many, it was probably a couple hundred of us. And uh, yeah, so that was kind of beneficial to hear what they had been through. So hopefully, you know, thankfully, uh, we didn't have any suicides. <laughs> well, it's so <laughs> one one story I always remember from that that book, and why I think it would be so hard to do anything anymore. Two reasons: one, they said they got like every LA comedian in a conference room at like a Holiday Inn or something, and I was like, you'd have to rank out Yan Yankee Stadium now to get every comedian <laughs> in a space together. Right. And then there was this yes. thing with Jay Leno, who was like he was he was the killer on the scene. That someone in the meeting would be like order order and jay leno would go a quarter pounder with fries and everyone would laugh and laugh and no one there oh you know, there's there's a relentless uh not taking it seriously that we every comedian has and you get a room yeah. full of us it's a fucking yeah. nightmare of who's gonna get the spotlight yeah yeah, yeah. well it was it, it was there was an element of that an element of like who could kind of undermine what was trying to be organized. Uh, but it was good because the four of us who were kind of the face of it were all at that kind of perfect phase where we weren't beginners. We were probably like 10 years in, 12 years in. We weren't beginners, but we weren't like wealthy, you know, people who we, we stood to benefit yeah. from, from the raise and we were working all the clubs. So like the newbies were not going to speak up because uh, they're afraid. And the older comedians weren't going to speak up because they don't give a shit. You know, they don't really need it. Well, that's it, my but. thing. I think, like, sometimes I'm like, the only ones who can really do this change is, like, Seinfeld feels like he could go to a club and say, I'm not performing here ever again, or I'm never doing a drop-in again until you do this. 
Or I've always yeah. thought the Seinfeld, you know, sometimes if, the people get bumped when he comes in, and I'm like, See, slip every comedian a hundred dollars. You made it. You made it in the time you've been here. You'll be known as the nicest guy in the world, and it'll be nothing to you. I 100% agree. Yeah, they, a lot of those people who pop in, and, you know, maybe it is indicative of, of their attitude or their ego uh, because the, they kind of feel, and to an extent I think they're right, that they are doing people a favor, uh, the crowd first and foremost, yeah. the club benefits for sure uh new comedians benefit and you know I, I can attest to this as a young comedian if chris rock or Chappelle dropped in uh or, or even seinfeld it was like a class in in that you were learning but having said that like who gives a shit like just drop here, here give give the uh whoever's working the door here's a thousand bucks for all the wait staff and all the comedians who were on the bill. You know what I mean? And, and uh, that's nothing to Seinfeld's like almost a billionaire. So yeah, yeah I, I, I agree. And I think they lack that perspective. I remember Chappelle used to do sets where he would go like five, six, seven hours and the staff had to stay there until oh, five in the no. morning. And I was thinking to myself, like, are you not aware that these people probably have kids? They probably have to wake up with them to go to school. Like all that kind of shit. Like, yeah, it baffles me. Do, do you feel a certain degree of futility in terms of like, like it's the idea of like comedians unionizing or like getting a pay raise. I'm also looking at these clubs, a lot of whom it seems like they have business models on the verge of collapse. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, like bringers, <laughs> bringers in general feel like a kind of a, a last ditch effort to, to, to keep things afloat. And I'm like, yeah. well, you're not going to get the money raised here when they are also essentially scamming uh, people into paying insane amounts of money to come see yeah. their friend do five minutes. So I, I just don't, yeah. I feel very cynical about it all. For sure. I mean, it is a very, it's, it's almost like one step removed from strip clubs and, and stuff like that. It, it is a very scammy, very kind of underworld. And you got to see some of the seediness depending on the club. Uh, I remember Al Martin was like, he was saying, you know, I can't afford a raise. Uh, I just opened a third club. And how, how am I supposed to I'm like, wait a second, you just opened a third comedy club and you're having trouble. Like what? You're going to just keep opening more. Is that the business model? Right. Keep opening yeah. more clubs because you're having such difficulty. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So they always claim poverty and whatever. But it's like, look, you're a comedy club. We're all independent contractors. It's like Crimea River. Like if your business model depends on us not getting paid, then you've got then a fucked up business a, model. Yeah, it's a bad business model. Yeah. Well, as a young comic, I just want to put in a note here. Lou Friend, I love. Al Martin, I love. I love all the owners of all the comedy clubs. <laughs> uh, well, who, which comedy Understood. club do you think does it, does it right? Which one do you like? Do you think they did it well? Honestly, I think the seller, it's funny, uh, despite... Uh, you know, and this is why I always tell young comedians, don't burn any bridges. Don't say like, fuck them. I'm done with them because the seller, I thought I was done with them twice. Uh, and then, you know, uh, Noam and Esty wound up coming to, to our wedding uh, because we wow. became. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just went back to the cellar one night with a bunch of comedians after a show that I did uh, down in like Chinatown. And they were like, we're going by the cellar for a drink. Do you want to come? And I was like, the cellar shit man i haven't been there in probably like five years all right yeah i'll go for a drink so i go in and uh, i don't know if you know julia mccullough but Ju julian uh, julian mccullough was there and he 
the way he described it. He said it was like a Western, like you walked in and it was almost like the doors open. <laughs> Because I hadn't been there. And uh, he said everything stopped, which, you know, it was not true. But uh, it was so funny to me because Esty said, like, uh, Ted, where have you been? Come, you know, like, sit down. You know, she treated me like the, like the prodigal son. And, and I was like, man, maybe it, like, do, do I not remember this? <laughs> oh, yeah. So then I was back in the fold. And to be fair, I was also a, a better comedian. Five years had gone by. I had done more things. Um, so, yeah. So to your question, though. The seller uh, repeatedly has gotten things right where uh, they've given raises, not only when we asked, but uh, even unsolicited. I mean, even though we're constantly asking, but uh, unsolicited in, in the sense of we hadn't organized, they gave us a couple more raises. So this, the seller pays like uh, the most in the city by far at this point, even though, to be fair, I mean, I've, I say this to Noam, uh, it's still not enough, you know, to, to, compared to what For they're sure. bringing in. We're the, we're the comedians. And I even said, I said to him one time, it's like, no, what would you consider the comedians who work your club? Would you consider them what the top five, 10% in the business? He said, probably top 1%. I'm like top 1%. Okay. What other field are we still working for like a stipend that doesn't even pay our fucking cab? You know, if we, if we buy a slice of pizza and take a cab, we're done. You know, like yeah. what other field, like the top 1% is still, you know, so yeah, it's it's crazy. But, I, you know, I I like that I have that kind of relationship and that I allow allow myself the freedom to speak to owners like that. And, you know, I we are friends now and we do have that mutual respect. Um, so, yeah, even though I, I do think <laughs> comedians should be paid a lot more than they're being paid. I think it'll just be so interesting. I, we worked at UCB now and then, and, and now that UCB is kind of in the rubble, I feel very free to talk freely about kind of the insanity. <laughs> but also it's like they, yeah. it's so interesting because they, they operated in a similar model uh, to the, the store where there was so much heat at the beginning of UCB that they really could get away with saying this is a showcase because so many people, yeah. you'd go to these. Sh I, I went to L.A. once. Yeah. And it, it was like people would, were signing the performers at the end of the shows. Like they were, yeah. the industry was there. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. then they, they build, they grow, they make their school. Suddenly there's so many people coming in. They feel resentful that they didn't get the things that they, they thought they were going to get out of it. UCB is like, well, we didn't, we didn't promise this to you. And it was kind of there was an implied contract between everyone. The heat is gone. So now you're just working for free. And there's yep. a lot of new theaters trying. They're, you know, post-COVID, we're going to see what happens where they're paying their performers. But I will always remember when I started uh, West Side Comedy Club when they first opened. Like, I was would host a Sunday night, and it was 125 and dinner. And I was like, whoa, I'm a fucking king. And then, yep. sure enough, a month later, I showed up. This bothered me. Hey, it's only 50 now. Oh. Is yeah. that okay? And I'm like, well, I'm fucking here, yeah. and I'm three years in. What do you think I'm gonna say? And then it was just, then it was, then it was fifty and no dinner, and that's that's oh. no food is always yeah, yeah. the one that rubs me the wrong way. Give me fucking food. It's nothing to you. This is five dollars to you. Yeah, yeah, and like you said, you can fill Yankee Stadium with the number of comedians. Mm. So there's always someone who's gonna take that gig. Yes, if it's twenty five dollars and no food, you know, so. Yeah, we're kind of almost uh, operating against one another in, in a certain respect. But I always I always took issue with that suggestion 
that uh, the club is doing you any kind of favors. Like if it's a comedy club or an improv club and they're putting you on their stage, it's because you belong there. It's because, you know, you're, you're doing the work, you know, you're, you're, you know, a professional or someone who's earned the right to be on that stage. So, you know, the, the, the insinuation that you're like doing me some favor that I can be discovered or whatever. I remember Tony from uh, Dangerfields. Tony, I forget his last name, but he was, they were partners. He and Rodney were partners forever. And he's like, this is a, uh, this is like college for you guys. Think of it like, you know, you're going to like comedy college. Yeah. I'm like, no, I went that. to college. I already went to college. <laughs> this is yeah. my job. This is my job. I've been on Letterman. Yeah. I've been on Conan. I've done everything. I'm like, it benefits you that the likes of me and these people with TV credits are playing your club, you know? So you're not doing me any favors. This is not college. This is my job, you know? So yeah, that, a lot of that shit is such a perverse notion, but comedians buy into it too. A lot of times I remember at the meetings, a lot of comedians saying like, well, we're, we're lucky to work at the cellar, you know, yeah. uh, or they use that family. It's like family. I'm like, no, no, I have a family. This is not my family. You know, they, we can be friends. It's great. But a, a, a respectful business relationship to me is 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 what's important more so than calling somebody my family. I had uh, I won't get two details, but I had a comedian friend older who who passed away from COVID, and oh, wow. you know he worked at this club for a very long time, and not seeing the owner of this club that he worked religiously for over a decade, not seeing the owner at the funeral was just one of those lessons. Not to, not surprising, but just being like, don't ever do don't ever inconvenience myself as a favor yeah like like they like it was just you know it's the metaphor come to life they don't care if you die and (laughs) and i try to remember it you know those times it's like hey can you move it from this to this and i'm like oh i I guess if i you know i'll I'll leave my date early and run and it's like no no i owe nothing Yeah. And that's something you have to learn. And I, I, you know, to be fair, I think that also comes with time. Like I said, Mm. you know, like there's things that you do in year one and year two that you would never do in in year 10 and, and, and on and on. Uh, But I think comedy or life in the arts and probably any field is a constant process of realizing what you'll say no to and when it's time to say no to things. So that's kind of the beauty of you know, it's almost like uh, it's time to assess where you're at every week or month or certainly as the years go by. It's like, no, nah, I'm not doing that gig anymore. I fucking hate going to that place. Yeah. And I, I there's nothing I like about it. Whereas, you know, maybe five years ago, you there were some things you liked about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm working on it. Saying no. <laughs> Saying no. Oh, um, man. Yeah, you got to. So, OK, so you said you were, you were born in Queens. Yeah. Belrose, Queens. And uh, is that is that good? You now you're not raising your kids there. You just you have two kids now, very young. But did you not? What did you? What what were the downsides of growing up in Queens? Or that you're like, oh, no kid should be raised here. (laughs) No, you know I actually liked uh, where I grew up in Belrose. It was kind of the border of Queens, and then I I lived in Belrose, and then across uh, the 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 Jamaica Avenue. See, and here's this this illustrates it. On our side, on the Queen side, it was called Jamaica Avenue. On the other side, which was Nassau, Long Island, it was called Jericho Turnpike. And that side was Be- uh, Belrose Manor. 
They were uh, Belrose Manor. We were Belrose Queens. Yeah. So it, there, I grew up with a very uh, like stark awareness that oh, okay, they think they're better. <laughs> they think they're better than yeah, us yeah. Ac- across the street, you know. Uh, and they were, I mean, financially. But uh, yeah, so so uh, as far as where I grew up, though, I, I really I liked it. It was you know blue collar, working class, a lot of teachers, firemen, cops, the whole nine yards. Um, but it, wa- it wasn't like I had an aversion, like I'm never bringing my kids up in Queens. It was more that, you know, my wife grew up in a part of New Jersey where they had a yard, they had some space. And I just never considered like, you know, well, like I said, we're kind of in the woods and we have a, a little bit of, of uh, like a lawn and, you know, fresh air. Like I just never really, you, you know how sometimes you de- deny yourself <laughs> <laughs> the ability to dream <laughs> yeah 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 and and she was adamant she's like no i i think you know if we can find it and we looked for a long time uh we should get a yard for the kids and so yeah we found something that with a nice little sprawl of space for the kids so that it was more based on that than any aversion i had to like you know bringing the kids to queen is i as a kid i had my father we lived in maryland and we had like seven acres of yard and I hated every single acre. I'm just like, I was not that kid. Yeah. I was not that kid. I, I saw the city and I was like, oh, I dream yeah. of no trees. Yeah. And it was just so wasted on me that the concept yeah. of a yard is not necessarily something me personally, I get. Yeah. Do you want a yard? No, no um, you similar, have a rooftop. I grew up, I grew up, yeah, um, but I grew up upstate and had the yard um, and, and things. And a similar, I didn't feel a strong connection to it. You know, I'd go to a lot of friends' houses that would have acres and lot farms, you know, yeah. and, and I never, it wasn't something Maybe that, it's every generation. It's yard yeah. and then city, yeah, yard, yeah. And, and each one's like, oh, I right. wish we had had this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, we were coming from a two-bedroom apartment in Astoria oh, yeah. where we had our, our son, uh, December of 2019. So he was like three or four months when lockdown happened. Wow. And now we just had our daughter yeah. a month ago. So now we have two little ones. So yeah, it just, it would have been, you know, just insane to have both of them. I mean, people do it. And so I'm not saying you can't, no, but, but uh, as, as I think the pandemic on top of it yes. just made it like we can't go anywhere, you know? So now having everything just out the door and ha- having like a few more rooms that our son can run around. It, it just means for, even for our own sanity, I don't know yeah. if he'll appreciate oh. it or not, but we appreciate it. Yeah. So the pandemic happened and you were like, we need another person in this world. You're like, this is yeah. great, great time. Or the world's yeah. going to end soon. We got to get these people in fast. Yeah. It was a defiant act. Like, all right, Iris, <laughs> I'm going to give you another, you see, let's see if how many of my family you can infect. How old so far, is the youngest? Zero. The youngest is a month old. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Was that yeah, and you? Uh, is it? Did you had siblings? You were one of five, right? That's right. So yeah, I guess. Did Did you want the you know your son to have a sibling? Yeah, my wife and I are both one of five. She's the youngest wow. of five. I'm the second oldest of five. Uh, both of us are from three boys, two girls. Um, so yeah, we we liked being from big families. We like kind of the tumultuous, just uh, you know, nature of of all those people. Uh, living together we never thought five though but we thought like yeah it would be nice for our son to have a sibling only children are 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 weird (laughs) there's something there's some some deep entitlement deep down there's a weird thing too it's like there's weirdness with the parents and and them like the parents like them too much do you know what i mean like there's 
Yeah. There's, they're very <laughs> precious about it. Like they're sure. all of that. There is a weird thing about it. There's that balance between, between 12 and you're like, okay, if three of them die. Yeah. And then one. Yeah. And it's just too much importance. I think when you're married, you look for a distraction from just dealing with the two of you all the time. So if there's just one kid, that's too much responsibility. Yes, for that kid. To like, yeah, like, you know, there's you just constantly need like, all right, we're not going to deal with finances. We're not going to deal with all the shit that is, is kind of coming down. So let's let's focus on being a good dad or mom, you know. So I think that's too much pressure when there's two of them, then it can dissipate that yeah. a little bit. And they have each other, so. There's also ganging up. You're always ganging up. You'd always be like pairing off of like, well, you know, these two are getting along extra well, and then you're leaving someone out. You know, it's it's easier right. to gang up on someone. We have a friend, uh, our friend Chris Caffaro, and he he's a, a middle child. Yeah. And he always claimed that like his father treated his younger brother like the you know so sweetly and wonderfully, and his dad didn't believe him. And I guess they watched a uh, he found an old family movie, and like like there was a moment I guess where his dad like clearly like didn't give up fuck about like just a family that captured exactly what he was saying and his father was surprised i think yeah. he was shocked that he had like made this i think he this cried. error he, yeah, he cried yeah it was i wow. i you know it's one of those things where i'm i'm such a big therapy proponent and i'm like it, it couldn't hurt to have a someone who specializes in family dynamics just come around the house every couple years just hang out for a day and be like just so you know you're you're giving her an eating disorder. You're giving him an inferiority complex. Just so you know, so you don't find out when they're thirty, and then they hate you forever. Um, would, it, would it be delivered in that manner? Just so you know. <laughs> Just so yeah. you know, you're fucking up, big time. Oh. Um. So okay, now your wife. What is she? She's an artist. She's an artist and a psychic medium. Okay. Now. Wow. Now, Ted, I just have to ask. I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a cynical. Uh, skeptical comedian, but I don't. I certainly don't want to <laughs> dismiss your Say wife. Say what's on your mind. Say what's on your mind, friend. I don't. I don't. I don't buy any of that shit. <laughs> I don't buy any of that shit. But you're a skeptical guy, uh, I imagine. Yeah. Uh, yes and no, man. I mean, come on. Look, we. I think we straddle that line uh -huh. of absolutely skeptical, cynical, but as artists, also like. Yes, of course. Yes, yeah. the the world, the universe. I'm with what, you. what 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 you know? What's out there? What I th I can't possibly grasp everything that's going on. So there's the, both of those things are at play, and my wife is the same way, and she constantly like even questions herself. She's like, you know, it's just this gift that she's had and felt for a long time, and then studied with with notable people and learned. You know, she spent uh about, probably two or three years really immersing herself in study and practice and, and that kind of stuff. And then kind of opened her own practice. Um, but yeah, always, you know, I, it's very much akin to stand up where you have those self doubts and like, what the fuck am I even doing? Am I a comedian? You know, she constantly has those doubts, but then, you know, she has a reading where it really helps someone yeah. and it helps someone who's grieving someone who's lost. And um, yeah. And I've seen, I've seen my wife where she really has these, um, I don't know if it's, I don't even know the terminology around it, like a visitation or somebody, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I get it. In, in stand-up comedy, let me, let me give you, in let me stand give you comedy of... I make up stuff all the time. So I totally see how the two. <laughs> right, right. And you die all the time. Yes, <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, um, let me give you one example. I have a, a close friend whose, whose sister uh, died tragically when we were in college. It was like one of the most kind of like, 
viscerally, um, you know, just seared things in my memory because I, I was around when it happened. And uh, my my wife said to me one time, and I'd never mentioned her or talked about my friend's sister. And she said his sister's name. She said, "Does is his is does he have a did he have a sister whose name was Sarah?" And I said, "Yeah." And she said, "You know, she she wants him to know that she's okay." You know, and it was kind of just like it just came through one day. She didn't know she didn't know my friend's sister didn't know any of the details. So yeah, that that kind of thing is is that primarily. Uh the work that she does is, is, is like meeting with families and, and doing that sort of thing. Or like, because you know, I, I feel like there's sometimes different, you know, psychic mediums have different abilities and different things. Is that primarily the kind of, of work she does in, in that way? She's mostly doing theaters now. No, uh, <laughs> she's doing the theater circuit. No, yeah. she, uh, yeah, she does. She does family. She does uh one-on-one consultations, people, you know, through her website, people that oh, gotcha. reach out and say, you know, um, I would like to book a reading. So that's kind of, does, uh, yeah. Does that ever come up like in, so it must be so fascinating. You're married to her. Like there must be things popping well, yeah, up. I told you all the time. Like, say, hey, I'd time. love to like, check in with, you yeah, know, so like, and so. Does that happen? Like, are <laughs> How's you. grandma? <laughs> yeah. Are you yeah. checking? Are Is that something that comes up or like once in a while? Because I feel like, you know, that could be like, if it was every day, it might be like, I don't need to hear from that person today, you know, like, but I imagine it's, <laughs> right, it's right, reserved right. for special no. things, but I don't, you know. I don't no, know. I, that's almost in a way that's almost like um, a personal space thing. It was, it was unusual that she uh, offered that to me okay. about my friend. It's not like she's constantly like, I've got uh, Aunt Pam here, you know, yeah. it's, not, it's not, it's not like it constantly comes up. And I have not like, I've not booked a reading with her or done anything like that. Almost like I, I don't know. Well, it's she has, she's never good... booked like a private show from you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exa- I think it's that kind of thing where it's like I don't. And also the just the familiarity. We probably she'd wind up yelling and be like, "No, no, I'm talking about your answer." You know, like we just get into yeah, a fight yeah. about it because it's it's too close. Uh, but no, I version, you'd be doing I, jokes honestly... about your wife. You're like my wife. She's always this and yeah. I will let me let me just say like. A, there's so there's the 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 rational irrational all these things but there's also here's where i emotionally i go when i hear about readings i think okay this this person who died is visiting i'm like do you know how many fucking people died right now what about all the people for some reason north korea is always like the my go-to point where i'm like you know all the fucking people who died in north korea today who don't get to visit or say hi or what about all the people who died all I think about it's it's a Louis C.K. bit, but he always talked about all the people who had died. He opened something with like most people are dead, and I'm right. like, there's there's dead people spanning centuries and centuries, and none of them ever say hi. No one ever says, oh, I'm being visited by. Oh, it's he, this is before they even had names. His name is uh, and uh, well, but wants they, to say I he mean, says. Uh. Why would they be visiting a person if they had no connection to them? Because maybe they're mad. Maybe they're just mad. Mad about. Or maybe, maybe someone in fucking you know North Korea is mad that no one fucking. Well, I'm sure North Korea psychics are getting contacted from <laughs> North Koreans that are dead. I don't I, like. Uh, I maybe mean, I don't even know make, if there's North Korean psychics. I, I don't know like if that's allowed. I don't know. <laughs> 
And and yeah. then I go to like you know fucking Reagan. Uh, uh, Ronald Reagan was you know made policy decisions based on his wife's astrologist, and I'm like, this is not good. This is not. This is no. Oh. <laughs> well, maybe Reagan comes through now. To maybe yeah. he comes through to Biden, and he's still making policy. Sure. sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I don't look all of those all things are valid. And my, my wife would say the same thing to you. She'd say, yeah, you know, uh, maybe this isn't for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also you, there's just no easy answer. You know, like people yeah. do, do you, you have ever... to be like anything else, right? Like, like religion or anything that you do going to see a magic show, uh, you know, going like you, there is a surrender uh -huh. to anything that you're opening up to, you know, unless you're just going and sitting in, in the pew of, of some church or mosque or temple because it's what your family does and, you know, you, you check out for an hour. Uh, but if you're going there with some sort of openness, there is a surrender of like, yeah, this could all be bullshit, but, uh, you know, I, I kind of I get something out of congregating. I get something out of this interaction yeah. and, and saying, yeah, I, I don't know either, but uh, here I am. I Listen, I want to be... I want to be an open. No, you don't. I do. I desperately do. And I like remember. I remember when I used to feel like pain. Like I remember listening to George Carlin early on, and like George Carlin, especially in his later years, would do stuff like, uh, "There's no God," and that was the whole track. And it was yeah. like it was brutal when you're like a young hoping you're like, please let there be a purpose to have this person you admire be like, mm -mm. Yes. and uh, there still could be no God and spirits. Short, just chaos. Just, I mean, I don't know. You know? Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I'm sure no, there, there was like a real, uh, I mean, certainty is always appealing, right? So whether yeah. it's Carlin being certain or uh, though this is 180, uh, Trump being certain, uh, certainty always has its appeal to people and there's yes. going to be an audience for that. So I remember being the, affected the same way by Carlin, like, wow, you know, because people don't speak with that much conviction about like atheism or about the lack of a god or you know what i mean so like you said especially as a young person when you see that uh it's like it it's kind of ground shifting just in the sense of like wow he's not even flinching he's just like he's the conviction that he stands there and delivers this is impressive yeah which makes sense why you connected so hard to trump yeah, yeah that's <laughs> why i was a big trump supporter i uh oh oh this is a let me this is a commercial all right, and we're back. I uh, yeah, I'm still getting, I'm figuring all this shit out. I um, so I want to talk because you you were a, a music teacher, is that correct? That's correct. Five years when I first graduated college, I was teaching during the day at two different schools and uh, starting stand up at night. Wow. When, I, went, I went to school for music uh, to be a music teacher. Oh wow! I, I but I never did it. I you never did. I it. did the student teaching, graduated wow. with a degree, and mm. then didn't do it. Wow. How old were the kids that you were teaching? Elementary school. Elementary school. K and through five, yeah. Did you enjoy it? I did. You know, it, it was kind of the perfect compliment while you're starting out in comedy because it was public speaking. It was kind of figuring out your voice. Like teachers have voices in, in a similar sense that comedians do. You have your teacher persona, your voice. Um, it's, you know, you're, you're in front of groups of, especially as the music teacher, uh, because of like budget cuts and stuff, they would group like, you know, I'd have like three classes at once. So it could be like a hundred kids or whatever it was. Uh, so yeah, it was beneficial in that I was flexing that muscle of keeping people's attention, being engaging, uh, trying in, in this sense, uh, trying to 
teach them something as opposed to, to comedy. Um, so yeah, I think it, it, it had its benefit and I, you know, I studied music and I love music. So, and I, I also had done a lot of, um, musical theater from age really? 13 through. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was really my entree into being on stage and performing, uh, properly. I've never heard I mean, you I, talk about musicals on stage. You know, I, I went to college for musical yeah. theater, and if you've seen me do stand-up for two minutes, you know that fact. Uh, I see you t uh, tweet about it and stuff, but yeah, I was not aware. Which is enough. Um, uh, <laughs> did you, so when you, you taught for five years, did you, was comedy going well that you were like, I can, I'm going to stop teaching? Was that, was that what happened there? Because I imagine, yeah. I imagine that's a funny thing to tell other teachers like five years and being like, I'm leaving to do stand up like full time. I imagine being another teacher being like, okay, good luck. You know, like it's just <laughs> yes. a wild thing to hear from a well, it's, teacher. It's funny you bring that up because I kept it a secret for I the bet. first two to three years. I yeah. didn't tell any of the staff. I was really kind of undercover. I'd come in, like I said, I was at two different schools and I think it was two days a week at each school. So I was really just like, the young teacher who would blow in teach and, and, and leave, you know, and come back next week. So they didn't know a whole lot about me and I didn't offer much of anything, but what happened was I got Conan. Conan was my first like TV thing. And uh, the parents heard about it. The parents oh. uh, like maybe saw my name in the TV guide or whatever, however the hell it broke word got out that Mr. Alexandro was going to be on Conan. Oh, that's so and uh, then they, they taped it and a bunch of people brought it in. And, you know, so in a way that was the best way for people to find out. For like, sure. Oh, yeah. For sure. As a oh, start, as opposed like, okay. my start was like, Hey, so um, I'm performing at Broadway comedy club this Saturday at 4 PM. And I need 15 of you to be there. <laughs> that's such a cool way to start yeah. letting people know. Oh, I love also like stand up comedy. That's a, that's probably the only profession teachers could be like, I heard that doesn't pay very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, it's funny to circle back to what we were talking about earlier. One of the principals asked me to perform at like a teacher conference of like, you know, kind of team building. And foolishly, I, I said yes, I don't I, to this day, I don't know why the fuck I would say I, I mean, they saw me on Conan, like just leave well enough alone. So I say yes. And I go to this, uh, you know, like ret teacher retreat. And I do like probably 20 minutes or something. And, you know, I, I'm not going to say I bombed, but it was just like work the whole way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah. now, you know, now I replaced the, the shine from like they saw me on TV to like, yeah, this is real. This is really what I do. They're like, oh, in, I in guess a they add hotel. the laughs and post. I guess that's how it works. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. That's and uh, uh, before, before we get to the last segment, I am curious because like so you open for Jim Gaffigan a lot. And yeah. Jim Gaffigan is, I mean, until the the Trump stuff uh, was a notoriously, just a notoriously clean, just in a certain way. I have a friend who opens for Brian Regan sometimes, and I sure. I'm always curious, like, because you you have a hard edge. Your stand up is is not you're not a clean comic by any stretch of the imagination. No, no. I mean, it's it, it's funny, you know, Jim and I have known each other for probably close to 20 years. So we, he, you know, he is like a few years ahead of me, uh, but we kind of essentially came up uh, through the clubs around the same time uh, and even like did some road gigs together where we drove. So, you know, our friendship was was solidified going way back. Um, so, yeah, I think it was just, you know, he was he was a, a fan of what I did. And fortunately, asked me to open for him at a time that, you know, the gig was, was, uh, needed and, and, uh, you know, it kind of got me out of not the minor leagues, 
but you, you know, there's only so many times that you can go back to some club in, in, in the Midwest, you know, for, for, you know, the same money that you've been making for, yeah. for eight years. Uh, so it was an opportunity to open for him who was playing arenas uh, at that point and, um, and hang out with my friend, you know? So yeah. it, it was kind of the best of all worlds where I was making more money than I was headlining so it allowed me the flexibility to do both where I could um, kind of fill my, my off weekends with my own stuff and keep doing my thing. Uh, but when I opened for him, I would keep it kind of, you know, I had enough stuff that I could keep it down the middle, maybe spring, like we were talking about earlier, like, all right, maybe I can drop this thing in and just like, you know, ruffle some feathers, uh, get a few fans that, are, that dig what I do. Um, you know, so I was still doing my act, but I was leaving out some of the more edgy stuff. Yeah. I imagine though, I imagine at an arena, you could still like crush, but still be doing something where there's 10 people in that arena that are going to write a letter to Jim. Sure. Sure. That, and that has happened, you know, and, and luckily, you know, uh, like I said, he's, he knows who I am. He knows what I do yeah. and he doesn't, he doesn't care, you know, yeah. and, and, cause I'm not the type that's going to be like, fuck, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to blow this fucking place up. Yeah. I'm going to do all my, uh, my political stuff. <laughs> I'm going to do my stuff about abortion or whatever. And, uh, and then let's see, you know, follow that Jim, you know, it's not, sure. that I'm there to, <laughs> I'm there to, I'm there to open. I love Jim just being like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> yeah. I filled this yeah. stadium. Yeah. Dude, uh, come on. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's hard. I mean, you know, I, I, I still feel like I'm figuring out as a, as a comedian because, uh, I'm not clean, but I can work clean. I I I like to some political stuff, but like I I just did this gig in Connecticut, and it was the most I had ever done. It was 800 people outside, and it was a tough it was tough circumstances. You know, I had yeah. to really I couldn't lose them. And I my I wife go, and I were there. <laughs> was, we were there. We were in the back. Oh, you were in the Trump shirt in the yeah, back. Yeah, that yeah, said. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it, I go there in the stage, it's on a tractor and a huge American flag behind me. Oh God! And um, I kept thinking in my head, like, you know, I, I wanted to push the envelope a little bit, or I wanted to do a couple things about Trump. And, uh, you know, I, I have this one, it's so funny, because obviously I'm usually with liberals, and so I have a lot of jokes that poke fun at liberals. And it's something about my grandma, she she passed away three years ago, but she hated Donald Trump, and she would just be so happy to know she voted for Biden. And that's like, that's the treat that they get, because they go ape shit for that. And then yes. I have to be like, guys, I'm a New York Jew, I hate you, I hate everything about you and your culture, and you'd hate me if you knew me. <laughs> And I, I get a couple things about Trump in there, but it's almost this thing. The show went well. And then, you know, these orange men in polos come up after and they're like, we were nervous when you got into politics, but you took some shots at Biden, too. So that's OK. And it's this mix where I'm like, well, I'm glad I didn't bomb. I'm glad I did well at the show. And then immediately I'm like, Ugh, they liked me. I don't want them to like me. It's this fucking, yeah. you know, it's it's. That's the yeah, that's that's the way it goes, man. You know, like when you're younger, I remember for me, there was this aversion to like, I, I'm doing what the fuck I want to do. And so be it. You're like, you're not going to tell me you're not going to give me parameters. I'm doing what I want to do. And then enough times where things go wrong. And you're like, well, maybe I didn't have to behave. Maybe I, you know, I have 20 other minutes that that I wrote. It's my act. It's not like they're telling me I can't do my stuff. They're just saying, could you not do 
the prison rape joke uh, at, a, at a corporate gig, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I had to learn that lesson. Like, I'm an artist, you know, you're, you're not going to give me any uh, parameters. So I had to learn that. And, uh, and, you know, that's part of being a professional, too. It's not like you're yeah. uh, a sellout. You're, you're, you're doing the job that you were hired to do. Um, but you also pick those other rooms where I know I'm really free here. This is my room to experiment. This is where I really go for it. And you, you grow and you blossom and you find your full voice there. And then, you know, you kind of, um, you bring that with you wherever you go and you kind of gauge like, all right, you know, I'm making 2000 bucks on this gig. Do I really want to sacrifice it for the prison rape joke? Yeah. Did you, have you ever, have you ever been booed off stage a full boo? As a rapper, I was. Uh, my brother and I were uh, a rap duo, uh, Brotherly Love, and we performed at the Apollo. Oh, uh, in- my, oh god. my god. Yeah. Oh, oh my god. So How funny. quick was that? Must have been the world record boo when you walked on stage, boo. Oh. There were boos when we walked on, but. Uh, we made it through my brother's first verse with kind of a smattering of booze. And then like once I came in, uh, I think I made it like another five to 10 seconds. And then, and then we got, we got booed off. Was this a so. joke group or like a, a serious, like you? No, this was legit, man. Group. This brother, was brotherly, brotherly love, love. That's was a representing, name. representing Belrose Queens. Oh, wow. That's so funny. Yeah. Of the Apollo. Wow. Yeah. Did, yeah. Did, no, we were serious about it. We, we did it for like better part of a decade it was most of the 80s that we were writing performing we you know we'd do like block parties just shows around queens and stuff so it wasn't like we did it like a lark it was like we were we had recorded a bunch of tracks are you on spotify we do have a facebook uh fan group you can look up brotherly love and there's a several of our tracks are are there i absolutely i absolutely will um can (laughs) we just don't boo as you listen can we insert like 10 seconds of a song into this episode yeah, if go we for find it. it. A reason to live, a purpose in life is all you need. So put down the night, open your eyes, let in the sun, celebrate life, unload the gun. Pain in our world is a reality. You look around and you try to form morality. Your spirits are down. I can't think anymore. Where am I going? What's the score? Do you do you miss rapping? I always fantasize about rapping. I I. I never will. But I could see if I became like crazy famous, I could see like at 50 just being like, Chamarco dropped a rap album and everyone hates it. And, <laughs> and I love rap though. Oh. oh, yeah. No, I mean, that's where it came from. It came from love. It came from, you know, we had both gone to uh, like a predominantly uh, black and Latino junior high school. And this was at, at the inception of rap, by the way. This, you know, this was like when the genre came to be. It wasn't like, oh, uh, you know, whoever has a new album, like Jay-Z has a new album. This was like, this is a new music. So like we were listening to this shit, like, you know, early run DMC and just all the early stuff that, you know, rappers delight, all that stuff was like, what the fuck is this man? Holy yeah, shit. Like yeah. guys were bringing in cassette tapes and blowing your mind on a weekly basis. Uh, and it was poetry, you know, and my brother to this day is still a, a poet. He's a poet. He's a published poet. Wow. Uh, so yeah, for us, it was it was all creativity, man. It was just like falling in love with this culture and falling in love with this mu- this new music. So it all came from that. But, you know, uh, we were just a couple white kids from Queens. And, you know, man, either you have it or you don't. I think everyone should have to go up at the Apollo one time in their life. There's well, a- I tell you, man, after that, nothing. What the fucking comedy right. is going to compare to that? You know that, you know, I got booed off the stage as a rapper at the Apollo, like 
yeah, yeah. comedy bring bring whatever you, bring whatever you've got Chappelle was booed off at 13 I think that was his kind of his story I remember that might have been around the same time now that I think of it because uh I, I was around <laughs> 19 or 20 so I'm about that I'm about that you know that there's that that uh, gap between Chappelle and I. And you, and you and Chappelle, you and your brother and Chappelle are at a diner. You're like, no, we're gonna make it. We're we're <laughs> this rap group and you as a comedian. We're gonna go all the way with <laughs> we're this. Gonna be just fine. <laughs> we'll get the last laugh. Um. All right, let's go to uh, our segment. This is this has got to stop. This has got to stop. Uh, Paige pointed out. Uh, Paige, who helps me caption the videos and and helps with social media, uh, pointed out. I, I listened to your new album. Uh, the lost record, which lost uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's fantastic. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. I I would have listened to it uh, either way. I've I've listened to all your stuff, but I also love the concept of it because when I think of the comedians that I really uh, love, sometimes there's like bootlegs out there, or like you see like weird tapings of of jokes that didn't make the specials that you can find, and so you kind of compiled. Uh, uh, all sorts of material from different sources during like a gap, I guess, that you put out stuff um, yeah. on like Comedy Central late night, and it was fantastic. And one of them, though, Thank you. you said uh, this. You said the phrase "This has got to stop." You were talking. This was the boys' choir, and then uh, Negro spiritual spirituals <laughs> that you said like "This has got to stop." And I was like, "Well, that's why that's the name of the segment." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Perfect. Uh. Yeah. So, yeah, the album was a collection of jokes from like 11 years between my first and second album. You know, I to this day, I, re I don't fully comprehend why I waited that long. Uh, this is stuff that I was do I put out a Comedy Central special. I was on Letterman and Conan. So the stuff was going out in these big yeah. platforms. But I just foolishly never put out a proper album. So, again, with the pandemic, having the time and, and finally uh, being able to zero in and listen back to all the stuff. Uh, that's what the lost album is. It's just this stuff that, you know, that I love and I'm uh, as proud of it as any other stuff. Uh, and also stuff that um, I, I discovered in listening back, like, oh, shit, I really love like the Negro spiritual joke that you're talking about. I mean, uh, that's a joke where I just talk about these genres of music, whether it's boys choir music or Negro spirituals, like maybe like we shouldn't maybe these shouldn't be genres of music anymore like if you walk into a store like um do you have a boy you know boys choir uh well there's a choir section over there no i'm, I'm specifically boys uh specifically boys choir <laughs> you know just yeah. the bizarre nature of the, and 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 same with negro spirituals that like that's really the only context that we're still using the word negro you know yeah. uh, for like this genre of music so yeah things like that when i listen back it, there, some of them were jokes i even forgot about and, and that's one yeah. of them i'm like you know, this one's a little like a little like on the line, a little weird, but uh, it makes me laugh, you know, so s some of the stuff was was that and I, I decided to put that out. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's it was exciting to kind of mark the time of that lost period uh, and put that album out. Yeah, I think it's like I think about, you know, I'm still figuring out like, oh, do I want to record an album? Do I want to wait for my first late night? Do I want to? And like, I think it's becoming increasingly fractured in terms of like, there was a time where it felt like you put out a special and that. And, and now it's like you put out little things here, little things there. And it's kind of the artist's responsibility if they want it to kind of centralize or like be like, hey, if you want to see kind of this era of my life, I'll collect yep. it for you. So I just thought yep. there's a lot of there's a lot of other comedians where I'm like, oh, it'd be cool if they made their lost album of sorts uh, yeah no i mean i think it's a it's a good thing to do for the reason that you're saying like so that it is centralized into one place 
here it is. Here's this period of time. Here's where my head was at. Here's where the, the country or the world was at, because some of it is is topical or political in nature. Um, but, you know, that, that was also a decision to make, like, uh, all right, so some of this stuff is kind of ephemeral and, and no longer really needs to be, you know, out there. But the stuff that I felt stood up, regardless of what I was talking about, uh, was the stuff that I wound up including. So so then for this segment, do, do you have a this has got to stop other than other than boys choir music? Anything that's got to stop <laughs> right now? Um, you know, in a certain sense, I feel like it's got to stop just talking about the pandemic. I realize mm. we have to like, we have to talk about it, but anytime you feel like that's going to be the way that you couch a statement, yes. like, Oh, this was pre pandemic or, you know, just like, like, like let's, we all know yes. what just happened. Yes. Like I'm so tired of it being just, uh, you know, uh, pervasive. Like every yeah. conversation has to be about the pandemic yeah. or that, that the pandemic comes back or, oh, now there's a new strain. It's like, yeah. no, like, people... like there has to be that line, like, you know, talking. And, and by the way, there's someone who loves talking about politics, activism, but I almost have a line like, you know what? I get offended if you bring up the pandemic. <laughs> I want to be like, don't talk about the pandemic around me. Yeah, because it, it really is everything. Someone will be like, well, I was doing this thing, but then and you're like, yes, that happened to the entire world. Like it wasn't just like, yeah, I figured that you stopped doing this one thing because of the fucking pan like it's one of those things where it's at this point, it's just a given. So it's not a, it's not a, a way to like start a conversation or to find common ground. It's just boring you know what i mean like it's and it's yeah. it, it, i'm that's not to take away from anyone that you know if, if they're dealing with a health thing or blah blah, blah but right. um it's just a thing and i was just talking to him earlier about this like it's just like i i went on a trip and, and, could I, tell and I ran into uh, every american that's all they wanted to talk about was the <laughs> pandemic and it was just like good god we're on like vacation in this beautiful place and all you fucking americans want to talk about are like masks and how like okay, well, we have to wear masks here we don't have to wear masks in america and you're like just shut the fuck up like just you know so anyways yeah. um it's just really yeah, boring it's, it's boring it is boring and it's it's human nature because it's kind of yes. inserted itself as like the go-to uh just chit chat kind of like icebreaker yes. small talk yes. right it's like like weather it's, or instead like, of the weather yeah yes. let's yeah i got five minutes on the pandemic everybody does you know yeah like I, I just mean in small talk not even stage i'm just talking about i got five small talk minutes on the pandemic sure sure you know yeah <laughs> well yeah i'll now when i tell people how much traveling i did last year i won't mention it was during the pandemic yeah. in the height <laughs> Yeah, of all the ways. That's a good one, though. Yeah. I, I, I do think we're stuck there. Um, all right. Well, then let's go to uh, this lovely. You better count your blessings. You can hear that, right, Ted? I can. Hear okay, that, good. Yeah. For a second, I was scared. You, you just saw us just go like. <laughs> uh, so this is this is you. You better count your blessing. We say one thing we're thankful for. Uh, Russell, you got something coming to mind? Are you still come thinking? Back, come back. Okay, yeah. You, you look. You had a look oh. on your face, like, oh, right. We do this oh, at the right, end. We do oh, this segment. Episode number twenty-three. Yeah. Um, so I, I will say, uh, because I know she's uh, uh, our mutual friend, Paige. 
Um, uh, she, she's been such a, a blessing in, in my life. She reached out to me kind of randomly and she was like, I'm looking for some comedians to work with. I'm in between jobs and, and helped me, uh, very generously and kind of helped figure out a lot of things in my life. Uh, uh, you know, introduced me to you via email. Uh, and then, um, she she's just helped a lot with this podcast. She captions all the videos. So for those of people who like the videos and all our stuff, uh, if, if you are looking for someone to help with your social media, your captions, reach out to me, and then I will assess if you are uh, up to snuff Worthy. for me yeah. to pass along your info to Paige. But I'm very thankful for her, and I, I do want to give her a very specific shout-out. Russell, you got one? Yeah, um, my friend uh, Vincent is visiting from uh – from Illinois right now and I haven't seen him in in long long time and it's been uh I'm, I'm very thankful to get time with him uh where's he from where do you know him from uh I used to do Shakespeare with him back in the day um and so but he now is getting his doctorate and so he's traveling a lot but um I just haven't seen him in so long and it's been like I only get to see him for a couple of days but it's been really nice and fun to catch up do with you him. quote Shakespeare's go uh, no, we don't. Generally hark! Coach, what what no. light three on no. the window breaks? No, we. It's we Russell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we do. <laughs> um, uh, and Ted, do you have a, a something? Your blessing for the? Yes, I do. Um, first, I'm going to piggyback on on your shout out to Paige because she has had the same impact on on my life, my career. She's been so helpful. She's always uh, just so professional and and on point with everything. Any request you have, and like you said, with with uh, with kind of offering to help me even when like uh, kind of our budget shrunk and, you know, I wasn't really able to pay her the same way that we had been. Uh, yeah. So Paige, if any comedian is looking for someone to do all of those things, I mean, I, I could not give her a higher recommendation. So I want to first piggyback on that because she deserves all that and more. Uh, but as far as, you know, it's funny, man, as much as I shit on like social media and, and the time suck and just the nature of like, it, as a comedian, you, like, yeah, you have to do it, but do we really have to do it? Or am I convincing myself? I've had to do a lot of like promotional stuff for, for the lost album coming out, but you know, I hopped on and I hate like Facebook and like they bury your posts. I, I posted about my album, by the way, my yeah. album to, to on my fan page, which has 8,000 uh, fans followers. It, the, the post got one like, and it was from the guy who edited the album. Do you, do you believe that? No. Like just, no, we, we have a sketch team, oh, and we so joked funny. for, like, brutally long amount of time. It would be, thank God we had five team members because it meant five likes on every single post. <laughs> like, I'm like, I don't. I, I think there are people that like it, but <laughs> yeah. no, Facebook, they're, they're yeah. monsters. They, they bury it unless, unless you pay. Unless you, know? you yeah. pay. Yeah. So and like even, even my family was like, oh, I didn't I didn't see it. I didn't know. So but this is not about that. What this is about was I hopped on uh, Twitter has this new thing that I think kind of mimics um, uh, Clubhouse, Clubhouse yeah. right? Uh, spaces. So I've spent some time on, on Clubhouse and various rooms and stuff. So I was like, let me just hop on Twitter spaces impromptu, do a little thing talking about the album. And about 15 people wound up coming on over the course of, I think I did like, I don't know, half hour, 45 minutes. And it was really cool. Like some of them were comedians. Some of them were people that just follow me. Some didn't know me. Uh, and it wound up being this like cool, uh, just like forum of like talking about the album, talking about comedy. Uh, so I, I was, you know, as, as kind of uh, burnt out as you can get on all the things in the business, it was just like this nice, connection 
uh, and kind of, I don't know, it, it, in some weird way, and people were so sweet. And one guy told me, I, I, I first started listening to your stuff when I was in junior high school, like 12. Wow. I saw your Comedy Central special. Uh, so yeah, there was just these like little moments of, of connecting and I came out of it just feeling, uh, boosted, you know, rather than depleted yeah, <laughs> by a nice. social media. Yeah. So, you know, that, that was something that made me feel good. Great. All right. Twitter needs some help and it's coming our way. So thank you for that. Twitter. Um, Russell, do you have anything to plug? This is going to, I was going to look up what Wait, when, day when this is, is actually going to come out. Well, when's our sketch show? You can July, tell about July that. 9th. Uh, we have a show, Asylum NYC, Uncle Function, Friday night, 7.30 p.m. Yeah, this comes out June 20. We'll all be ninth, there. So that'll still, well, that'll still be good. Ted won't be there, but we'll, yes. John Marco and I will be there. <laughs> um, for me, uh, I forgot to say at the beginning, uh, you know, this, this is the downside. You're probably listening on Spotify, Pandora, Apple. But we do have a Patreon where you can see the full video of this. Um, it's uh, patreon.com slash downside and $5 a month. You get two bonus episodes a month. You get videos of fucking everything. It's a shitload of work, uh, but I do it for you. Uh, we also, if you go to my YouTube channel, we're going to upload like longer clips and uh, all my social media. So I have shows. Go to my Instagram to see the shows, but but uh, we really appreciate you listening and you know subscribe, join the Patreon, post about it on shit and uh, help us keep this going. We really appreciate you. And uh, uh, Ted... Any plugs? TedAlexandro.com, at TedAlexandro, all over the socials. And uh, just love what you guys are doing. Support, the, support this dynamic duo, people. I mean, you're listening to them. They're entertaining you. They're edifying you. Support them. And, and so uh, where's the, where do you want people to get the Lost album? Like, what's the best? Is it I, buying it on iTunes, listening on Spotify? You don't give a shit. Join the Patreon. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I, I don't care. As long as they're listening to it, just make sure you follow, subscribe or whatever so that my, because I think they, you know, they Spotify or, or Apple Music or wherever it is, they wind up playing you more if you amass a larger number of followers. So if you, you know, whatever, wherever you're listening to the Lost Album, just click that subscribe Lost follow album. button. And, and Cut Up was last year too, right? You know, I put out, I'm not bragging here. I'm just stating facts. <laughs> I put out three three specials slash albums during the pandemic. Uh, I put out stay at home comedian, which was just put together from my Instagram live. You know, it was just kind of this lark. I put a tongue in cheek comedy special out that was shot on my phone in my uh, two bedroom apartment. And the New York times wound up writing about stay at home comedian because it was like the first pandemic special yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and nobody had done it. So, you know, I mean, I'm doing comedy 28 years and the times finally reviews the special that I do in, in my living room. Yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, I did cut up about a year ago and now the lost album is, is the third one. Pretty incredible. Well, thank you for joining thank us. You, and, and we should remember my whether, pleasure. whether you, you know, whether you're in New York or you, Move to Connecticut. Someday we'll all move six feet under the ground. This is the downside. One, two, three.